We're talking about the passion of the Holy Spirit, the heart of the Holy Spirit. And we're basing our series is on knowing God. And if we develop a passion for knowing God, it will absolutely change everything about our lives. Our golden text is Philippians 3.10 from the Good News Translation. And it says, and this is how you develop passion. You become focused and single-minded. And Paul said, all I want to know, all I want is to know Christ and to experience the power of his resurrection to share in his sufferings and become like him in death. And we're on the part of experiencing the power of his resurrection. In other words, it is not an automatic thing that a believer experiences on a day-to-day basis, on a regular basis, the power of Christ's resurrection But church, we need to understand that we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. But very often, believers lack knowledge. I said a few moments ago that I was 29 years old before I heard the gospel. I've told you the story a number of times about my next-door neighbor, Mrs. Scarborough, who was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and I thought she was a nutcase because she talked about Jesus all the time and Jesus would heal her. I just thought she was off her rocker. Little did I know she was praying for the eyes of my heart to be enlightened. And uh, so it wasn't that I was not exposed. I went to church But we were not taught the word. We were not taught to be born again. And I remembered as I was preparing this that every Sunday we would say the Apostles' Creed. And you know, the Apostles' Creed, the early church uh, believers wanted to summarize their faith. And so they wrote the Apostles' Creed approximately about 140 years after Jesus' death is when it was written. And it says, and I said this every Sunday as a child and a youth growing up in church, we would say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost. There's the first mention of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I said that, but I didn't see it, and I didn't know what I was saying. But every Sunday, faithfully, at the close of the service, 
we would say the Apostles' Creed, and I would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, not the Catholic Church denomination, but the church worldwide, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said this with no insight, no revelation, no understanding of what I was saying. Church, you must be born again to see into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Going to church is not enough. That alone won't do it. So the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, listen to me, church, as a divine personality is fundamental to knowing God. We're doing a series on knowing God. And people will say, I know God the Father. They may even say, I know God the Son. But very many people who are even born again cannot say, I know the Holy Spirit. And this is because they don't understand that he is a divine person. They think of the Holy Spirit as, if they think of him at all, it is to think of him in terms of uh, a feeling or an influence. But they don't understand that he is a divine person. And we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is a divine personality with majesty and glory, just as God the Father and God the Son. Deuteronomy 6.4 in the NIV says, Hear, O Israel. Boy, this is a significant scripture to understand. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And of course, in many nations, many gods are worshipped, and there's not the concept of one God. But we're given understanding here in the book of Deuteronomy that the Lord is a unity. But the word God used in Deuteronomy 6.4 is actually plural. It is one God, but it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So, of course, we need to know God the Father. He is a divine person. We need to know God the Son. He is a divine person. And we need to know the Holy Spirit as a divine person, like the Father and the Son. It is important to know, church, the Holy Spirit is a divine person, rather than hearing about the gifts of the Spirit, the graces of the Spirit, and we try to get those gifts to operate in us, and we try to get power. No, no, no. We're missing a fundamental position here of knowing God, the Holy Spirit, as a divine person and having a relationship with Him. Church, this takes surrender.
we are to surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit. To know him will take surrender. Just like it takes surrender to have intimacy and revelation with God through his word, with God our Savior, it takes surrender to our Savior. True maturity in knowing God the Holy Spirit comes through receiving him. Oh, Pastor Carla, I've received the Holy Spirit. Yes, but do you realize you were receiving a divine person when you received the Holy Spirit? You weren't just receiving an emblem like a dove. You weren't receiving an emblem like water, oil, or fire. You were receiving the divine person of the Holy Spirit. So, church, that, that's fundamental. We're not just receiving gifts. We're not just receiving fruit of the Spirit. We're receiving a divine person, and he wants and needs a personal relationship with us, and he needs for us to rightly relate to him. You're not going to have a good human... Uh, relationship with a human being if you do not rightly relate to that person. If a husband does not rightly relate to his wife, they're probably going to have many issues in their marriage. Or if the wife does not rightly relate to the husband, maybe there's always a power struggle between them and problems between them. Why? Well, they're not rightly relating to one another. It's important that we rightly receive the divine person of the Holy Spirit and then rightly relate to the Holy Spirit. And I believe we're going to come into greater understanding of that today. It's important as Christians that we acknowledge The Holy Spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty, power, and glory. He is a divine person. We we don't have to have great question marks and, and the Holy Spirit be so mysterious to us. No, let's comprehend today that the Holy Spirit is a divine person of infinite majesty, power, and glory who has come to dwell in our hearts. Church, he has come. He will will dwell in our hearts if we invite him to. Number two, he's come. Listen, I'm I'm going to say something very strong here. He has come to take possession of us. Most of the time when people think about possession, they think of demonic possession. But actually, the Holy Spirit has come to take possession of the believer. So that... 
there's a purpose in this possession. We may live our lives for God. He comes to take possession of us so that we may live our lives for God. And number three, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us, to take possession of us. And number three, to work out God's eternal plan and predestined will in us, for us, and through us until we are a praise to the Father in the earth. Instead of having broken lives, broken hearts, failing lives, failure upon failure, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us, to take possession of our lives, and work out God's eternal plan and his predestined will for each one of us until our lives are a praise to the Father in the earth. So many Christians are born again, but they think of, of, uh, of the good things. They believe God's a good Father, but those good things are reserved for us in heaven. But no, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Church, every day, I, when I wake up, I greet the Father. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. I know they're one, but I understand they are three divine persons in one. And I greet them individually. Father, thank you for loving me. And I dwell a bit. There are just prayers of thanksgiving that come out of my heart about the love of God. But somewhere in there, I'm going to thank him for life and that more abundantly. Church, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in us. He offers to dwell in us and even possess us. And he will take charge of working out abundant life in our lives if we will yield our lives to him and be do what it takes to be full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. The blessed Holy Spirit has come to dwell in our hearts and restore us to the image of God. Church, the image of God is glorious. And he's come to restore us. Adam and Eve fell from the glory of God. But the Holy Spirit has come to restore us to the image of God and restore us to the glory of God. But it does take willingness on our part and submission on our part to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will transform our lives as we come to receive and understand him as the third person of the Trinity. Not a wind, not a fire, not a dove. No, 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 church. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. 
and he's come to reveal Christ to us. He's our teacher, he's our revealer, and he makes God real to us. He makes the things of God real to us. For example, the Holy Spirit, I, I want to reveal that he is a person. There are certain factors that it takes to make a person. And I want to just deal with two or three of those factors today to, that, it, that it might be revealed in your hearts that the Holy Spirit is a person. One, he has knowledge, knowledge of God. The Holy Spirit has the knowledge of God. 1 Corinthians 2.11 in the NIV says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. See, this is revealing that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He has thoughts. And those thoughts are the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit knows the things of God. And church, he's willing to reveal them unto us. If you want to have the mind of Christ, you will know the mind of Christ, yes, through the Word, but through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who has the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of God. He knows the thoughts of God, and He will reveal the thoughts of God to us. It is such a blessed privilege to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and his purpose, one of his purposes is to give us the mind of Christ, the thoughts of God. Secondly, the divine person of the Holy Spirit has a will. If you're a person, you have a will. And 1 Corinthians 12, 11 in the New King James says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit has a will. Now such a major key for the believer is to be submitted to the divine will and not think we know everything. And because we may have some level of education is to think we're so smart. No. That's not an attitude that a believer can afford. That's a prideful attitude. But if we have a submissive attitude and we understand that the Holy Spirit has a will, church, what is the will of the Holy Spirit? The will of the Holy Spirit is always the will of heaven. The will, the Holy Spirit does not have a will apart from God the Father and God the Son. Remember, they are one. So the will of the Holy Spirit is the divine will. 
And that will is also the will of the Father and of the Son. The Holy Spirit came to earth to fulfill the will of God in the hearts and lives of God's people. So we can thank God for the person of the Holy Spirit and submit our will to his will. I don't know if you've prayed this prayer very often, but, you know, I find it needful for me to do this, especially if I'm a bit struggling with a decision. I found it very helpful to pray, Father, this is what I sense. This is what at this point I'm perceiving, but I submit my will to your will. I want your will. Show me, reveal your will to me. Church, can you say amen? Because I think so many believers, I can't even talk about the world, they do it 100% of the time, but it's even easy for believers to live by their own will, not submitting their will to the Holy Spirit who is living within them to bring forth the will of the Father, but then you find the believer is not submitting their will to the Holy Spirit. And so they have problems, problem after problem. Things don't work out for them as they have thought that it would work out. That tells me they don't have the thoughts of God. And then they worked really hard to get a certain result that they wanted very badly. And Pastor Davies, that result did not happen. And you know what that tells me? Now they're disappointed and they're blaming God and saying, but I prayed for this to happen. I even gave an offering for it to happen. But let me ask you this question. Did you ever submit your will to the will of the Father and ask and pray that prayer. Father, this is what I'm thinking, but not my will, but thy will be done. Church, are you hearing me? The Holy Spirit has a will, and the will of the Holy Spirit is the will of heaven. And church, we we need to pray and supplicate and intercede. Father, I don't want anything in my heart that is contrary to your will. That needs to be a prayer. Father, if you find anything I'm moving toward or working toward and I'm trying to make it happen, but it's not your will, convict me of that. Show me where I'm missing it. I submit my will to the will of the Holy Spirit who on behalf of heaven God has sent to dwell in the heart of every believer who will receive him and submit their will to his will so that the plans and the purposes of God can unfold in the hearts and lives of the believer. Father, not my will but thy will be done. So the Holy Spirit has knowledge. The Holy Spirit has the will. And number three, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Romans 15 and verse 30, 
in the modern English version says, Now I ask you, brothers, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Notice the phrase, through the love of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not it. The Holy Spirit is not something. Something told me. No, the Holy Spirit's not an it. He's not a something. He is a divine person. He's the third person of the Godhead, and he desires to live in us. And when he comes into us, church, he comes with the tenderest love you can imagine. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in our heart with the tender, pure love of heaven. And he loves us unfailingly. We owe our salvation to the love of the Spirit, just as we owe our salvation to the love of the Father and the love of the Son. It is the Holy Spirit who seeks us when we're lost. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. And it is the Holy Spirit who does the work of salvation in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is not just speaking in tongues. Many people don't have any other concept of the Holy Spirit except speaking in other tongues. The Holy Spirit, let me use some words, is infinite. There is no end. He is infinite. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. Church, there are no barriers or limitations to the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's the eternal third person of the Godhead. How does the knowledge of the Holy Spirit as a divine person affect our lives practically. As, as I'm sharing this with you, I want you to make a resolution right now that you are going to receive the divine person of the Holy Spirit as your friend, as your best friend. Oh no, Pastor my wife's my best friend. My husband's my best friend. My next door neighbor's my best friend. Nobody knows all my secrets like they know all my secrets. They know me so well. No, church, let me tell you something. Nobody knows you like the Holy Spirit knows you. You want the Holy Spirit as your best friend. Church, may I hear an amen. We want him as our best friend, our teacher, our helper, so that we be, may become much more intimate with him than we are today. Put your hand on your heart. And I want you to say this after me. Holy Spirit, <clears throat> I want to know you as the third part, 
the divine person of the Trinity. I want to know you as I've never known you. I receive you, Holy Spirit, into my heart, into my life, as my best friend, as my helper, in Jesus' name. Church, we want the Holy Spirit to become much more to us than we've ever allowed him to be before. We want to yield to him and live our lives in the Spirit much more accurately than we have in the past. Listen carefully. I'm, I'm going to make a number of statements about the Holy Spirit, and you know me, we could make a series on each one of these statements. But I'm just going to make the statements, and you're going to have to capture it. But the Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost to do the work of heaven on earth. He's here to fulfill the purpose God has for the church in the earth. He's here to fulfill the promises and the prophecies of Scripture. Church, that's important. He's here to fulfill the promises and the prophecies of Scripture. He's the Father's gift to the church. The Holy Spirit is the Father's gift to the church. The Holy Spirit has been sent to do a supernatural work in the lives of men and women who choose to know God. If you're not choosing to know God, that supernatural work will never be accomplished in your life. But if you're choosing to know God, the Holy Spirit is willing to do a great supernatural work in you and on your behalf. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is here for the kingdom of God to develop and spread in the earth as God has ordained. The Holy Spirit is here to develop the kingdom of God in each one of us. And then the Holy Spirit will send us out in his power, just like we're doing through KSCF, to develop and spread the kingdom of God outside of our personal life. The Holy Spirit wants to commune with us and fellowship with us in much greater intimacy than with any person we know. The Holy Spirit is seeking communion with us. He is seeking deeper fellowship with us because he wants to do a greater work. Church, we can pray, Lord, show us your glory till our tongue is down to our knees. But if we're not communing with the Holy Spirit, do you get me, choir? The choir gets me. Congregation, do you get me? You can say words. You can even think you're praying prayers. 
But if you're not communing with the Holy Spirit, the prayers will not be answered because the Holy Spirit has been sent to do the work of the kingdom in us, on our behalf, and through us. The three essential elements of any personality are mind, will, and emotions. And the Holy Spirit reveals the mind of Christ as he fulfills the will of God. He, expressions the, he, he expresses the emotions of God in his loving and holy relationship to, to mankind. The Holy Spirit has come to reveal Jesus and he's come to fill the hearts of all who respond to him. He offers eternal life to all who accept the sacrifice of Jesus' blood for their sins. He's come to separate us from the evil that is in this world. When Adam and Eve fell, they died spiritually. There was a spiritual disconnect from God, and they were left to live their lives with whatever was in their soul. What you find in the souls of men is crooked thinking, anger, lust, greed, selfishness, all kinds of immorality. And so that is the course that men's life takes when they live out of their soul instead of living through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes when we're born again. He does the work of causing we're born again by the Spirit. He does that regenerative work in our hearts and we come alive unto God by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say, Jesus, forgive me and cleanse me of all my sins, the Holy Spirit goes to work causing us to come alive once again spiritually, and he reconnects us to God. Church, someone say hallelujah. That's the work that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts. Then, when we're born again, the Holy Spirit goes to work within us to create, recreate us into the image of God so that we no longer live by what we think out of our soul, what we feel, or what we want to do out of our own will, but now we're not living out of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, but we live our lives through the Spirit reconnected to God, we live our lives now through love and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Church, that is an ongoing work of the Spirit. You're born again instantly. You come alive unto God instantly, but it takes allowing the Holy Spirit to 
live the life of Christ through us is an ongoing, daily, 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 daily work. So we begin to learn, oh, I can't live. I'm not moved by what I feel. I can't just live by human knowledge of what the world says is right or what the world says is wrong. I I can't live by uh, just the way I've been trained in school. I'm not go- I can't live my life just out of my soul. I'm called to live my life through the Holy Spirit. That's how close we need to be to the Holy Spirit. Because we're called, He's called to live the life of heaven through us. And we're called to live the life of heaven through him. That's why we can pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May it be on earth. I pray this frequently. May it be in me even as it is in heaven. Because I'm made of the dust of the earth. You're made of the dust of the earth. Lord, may it be in me, even as it is in heaven. Well, for that to be realized, church, how am I going to have to live? I choose to live my life through the Spirit, to renew my mind to the Word, to submit my will to the Holy Spirit, uh, to ask for the work of the Holy Spirit in, in my emotions. Church, I can get mad just like anybody else. I can get upset. You know, Pastor Davies, I guess we could spend our days mad and mad about everything and upset with people and talking about, you you know, you have to use your will and you make a decision. I'm not going to live my life as a carnal person. I'm going to live my life as a spiritual person who is filled with the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit. And I use my life to express the will of heaven. Now, church, I'm not saying I'm perfect in that. I'm not perfect in it. I have to examine my life and repent just like anybody else. But I'm saying I've made my a decision to live my life by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit blessedly continues to work with me. And he's so patient to correct me and teach me and refine me and introduce me to new aspects of his will and so on and so forth. Are you with me? So I'm not saying I'm arrived. I've arrived, but I'm pressing forward to know the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit in my thoughts, in my emotions, and in my will to yield my life to the Holy Spirit. Church, if you're going to be possessed by anything, be possessed by the Holy Spirit. Actually, that is what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Is your giving your life for the Holy Spirit to come in and take over your mind, your emotions, your will, and the very expressions of your life you are yielding to 
the Holy Spirit. Let me go just a little further. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to get through all this. But John 14, verses 16 through 18. Such a significant portion of Scripture. I want us to... The, this is a significant scripture about knowing and understanding. And the first thing we're going to read it in is the Amplified. And Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. And he says, and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. Just stay right there. There's really, you notice, there are several words that were selected there to express what, who the Holy Spirit is. There is no one word we can come up with to express who the Holy Spirit has come to be to you and to me. There is no one word. Helper doesn't do it. Comforter doesn't do it. Advocate doesn't do it. I'm going to briefly go through those words. Let me see how far we can get. He's come to be with us forever. Everyone say forever. He's come to be with us forever, church. He will not leave us he will not forsake us, even when we miss it. May I say, especially when we miss it, we need to understand he has not departed from us. Go forward. The Spirit of Truth. Now, that's another name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart. Church, you have to take what's being ministered to you to your heart. This won't work just by hearing. You take it to heart and say, I receive that into my heart and into my life. You take it to heart. The world cannot receive it because it does not see him or know him. See, it's critical that we know the divine person of the Holy Spirit because th there will be things you will not be able to receive if you don't know him. But you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. Remember, he's in you to possess you. He's willing to possess you. And he remains with you. He's ever with you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And then verse 18, I'm just going to briefly say this. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless. I will come back to you. And then I want us to read this in John 14, 16 through 17, in the Passion Translation. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another Savior. 
Look at how the passion translates. Because there is no one word that can capture who the other, who the Holy Spirit is. And because he is equal with God, they translated the Holy Spirit as another Savior. This word, another, is the Greek word, alios, and it means uh, another of the same kind. So another divine person is coming of the same kind as I am. That's what Jesus was saying. It's another of the same kind. One besides me and in addition to me, but one just like me. He will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. In other words, church, we're lacking nothing. Jesus accomplished his mission. He was taken up into heaven, and God sent another one, just like Jesus, who will do what Jesus said. He's, he's one besides me, and in addition to me, but one just like me. Church, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, our Savior. I want to make a distinction, though, between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. This distinction is very important. And I want you to elbow the person next to you. Are you listening? Just ask them, are you listening? Because I want to make this distinction between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. Jesus came to save us from the guilt of sin. The Holy Spirit is the Savior. They translated, he will give you another Savior. The Holy Spirit is the Savior which saves us from the power of sin. Jesus saves us from the guilt of sin. The Holy Spirit saves us from the power of sin by living through us in fullness. See, it depends on how much we yield to him that he saves us from, from the power of sin. Because we have a free will. We can choose to sin but the more fully we yield our lives to the Holy Spirit and allow him to live within us, we go free of the power of sin. How many of you have a testimony that before you were born again, you were under the power of sin that today it has no expression in your life? You're no longer under the power of that sin. We all have that testimony. So I want to make that distinction between the divine person of Jesus, our Savior, and the divine person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus saves us from the guilt of sin. He took our sin. He took the consequences. He took our guilt 
all of it was laid upon him. But we're still living in the earth where we have plenty of opportunity to sin. You know, even though you've been in church for some hours now, this afternoon, I guarantee you, you're going to have an opportunity to sin in thought, word, or deed. And you might as well say amen, church. Because it is true. You're going to have an opportunity to sin. But I thank God the Holy Spirit has come to live in us as fully as we will yield our lives to Him to deliver us from the power of sin as long as we're upon the earth. Church, may I hear an amen. That's one of the primary reasons we need to know him in the power of his resurrection. It is so that he may live with us that resurrection power that the Holy Spirit brings into our lives, living in us more fully and more fully and more fully as we yield our lives to him. We yield our thoughts. We yield our will. We yield our emotion. We yield our lives to him. And the sin has no power over us as we yield our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. May I hear an amen. The word for the Holy Spirit is paraclete. Don't say parakeet, that's a bird, but say paraclete. Say paraclete. Paraclete, see you're speaking Greek. Paraclete. A word for the Holy Spirit is the word paraclete. The first part of that word, P-A-R-A, means to save, to end, to finish the curse. P-A-R-A, the paraclete. To save, to end, to finish the curse. Church, the Holy Spirit has come to end all the work of the curse in our lives and to save us from all the effects of sin and to keep us whole and healed. I want you to look at the Holy Spirit in new light today. He has come to end the work of all the curse in our lives. Just understand, the more fully we submit to the Holy Spirit, the work of the curse is still in the earth. Now, I know we say, I'm redeemed from the curse of the law, and the Word says we are redeemed. But to the degree that the Holy Spirit has power in our lives is to the degree that the work of the curse is ended. To the degree we've yielded to the Holy Spirit. We've yielded our lives to the Holy Spirit. That's the degree that the work of the curse, we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But church, if we're still living like the devil, 
Somebody say amen. If we're still living like the devil, you can't shout, I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and think that alone ends the work of the curse. Are you with me? He's come to end, finish, remove, and save us from all the work of the curse in our lives and to keep us whole and healed. That word paraclete, the Holy Spirit, we're defining this for you, is a redeemer who ends the curse. The paraclete is a redeemer who ends the curse. Anybody interested in having the curse end in your life? I think we all are. A redeemer who ends the curse. It literally means someone called alongside to help. The Holy Spirit. There is no single word that tells us who the Holy Spirit is. But church, he's an intercessor. I'm hurrying. He's an intercessor. This is one of the words that John 14 used. Romans 8 and verses 25 through 27 in the New Living Translation says, but if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness or our infirmity. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings or utterances or the literal meaning of that word groanings is God talk. Everyone say God talk. That's, that, that's the moving of the Holy Spirit in utterances and languages that we've never been trained in and we don't know mentally. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings or God talk that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Hallelujah. And so, church, the Holy Spirit is an intercessor. And we can pray intercessory prayers through the Holy Spirit. When we yield to the Holy Spirit to pray, very often I start out in my known language, and then I tend to go back and forth. I tend to start out in my known language or I pray out a scripture. There's, there's no set formula. And then before I know it, I'm praying in other tongues. I, I don't even do it consciously. But just other tongues begins coming out and then, then I may find myself praying in known tongues again. But church, when you pray in other tongues or groanings that are too deep, for utterances, we human beings have limited knowledge, but remember the Holy Spirit knows everything. We may have limited knowledge about a situation we're praying, we're believing God, but the Holy Spirit knows 
all about that. He knows what the answer needs to be. He knows the plan of God. And we can pray out the perfect will of God through praying in the Holy Spirit. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit and you've never received your prayer language, I'm telling you, it is a mighty gift that God wants you to have. The Holy Spirit knows everything, and he can help us pray accurately and effectively. Number two, another word for the Holy Spirit is comforter. Comforter. Church comforter doesn't mean what you think it might mean. We think of comfort as soothing and bringing, you know, um, we're, we have, we do experience earthly sorrows on this earth life. We do go th- through things, but no matter what we go through, this word comforter literally means with strength, with strength. The Lord never said we wouldn't go through things. I've been through things. You've watched me go through things. We've been through things. Uh, Together, we human beings go through things. But that word comforter means with strength. The Holy Spirit, no matter what we're going through, strengthens us to face life with bravery. He strengthens us to be brave and to be strong, no matter what test, trial, or temptation we may be facing, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Number three, the Holy Spirit is our helper. I love this one. The helper is the one who comes to our aid no matter what we're going through. I'm thankful. I may need a right answer. I may need a right response. Church, I may be dealing, we may be dealing with persecution or an attack of the enemy, attack of fear, and a a personal weakness of some kind. It doesn't matter what we're going through. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Everyone say helper. Say, the Holy Spirit is my helper. Oh, that is so important. He is one who is called alongside us to help us in anything, any situation, no matter what we're going through. Don't sit and moan and groan. Say, Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Are you going for a job interview? Holy Spirit, help me. Are you sitting for an examination? Holy Spirit, help me. Have you been given a project? And you, I mean, it's really a challenge. You don't know how to do this project. Holy Spirit, help me. Something I face. Father, help me to reveal the Holy Spirit 
in a fresh way. Holy Spirit, help me. Church, it doesn't matter what the situation, the problem, the challenge, the trouble, whatever it is, pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, help me. Could we pray it as a congregation? Holy Spirit, help me. That is a prayer that you may pray many times a day. Holy Spirit, help me. I've prayed, Holy Spirit, comfort me. I need your comfort. I need your peace. Holy, whatever it is. Number four, the Holy Spirit is our advocate. These are all words that have been used to translate the Greek word paraclete for the Holy Spirit. Advocate is one of them. I like this one. When I was a young girl, I wanted to be a lawyer. I still love to read uh, John Grisham and some other authors, their suspenseful lawyer books that they come up with. I love that. I wanted to be a lawyer. But, see, that was not the will of God for me. But an advocate, we call them advocates here. Do you know I had not heard that word till I moved to Kenya in relation to being a lawyer? All I knew, being from Texas, was they were lawyers. But anyway, we call them advocate. It's someone who represents you at court and stands by your side to plead your case. Hallelujah. Oh, I love that. Stands by our side and pleads our case for us. <clears throat> Let me put it another way. The Holy Spirit is your defense attorney. Glory to God. Now, part of the role of a defense attorney is to advise you on how to plead your case. Sometimes, the evidence against you may be overwhelming. You are guilty, guilty, guilty as charged. And, uh, but church, you know, if you'll cooperate, if you resist and you curse out the lawyers and you, you justify yourself or you deny it completely and you've got this sour rebellious attitude before the judge. I mean, this is a good old Texas saying, they're going to throw the book at you. I mean, the highest uh, punishment that they can give you is what you're going to receive. But do you know, if you admit your guilt and you say, sir, I'm going to plead guilty. I did this that I've been accused of. Do you know it will go a lot easier for you? It's gone quiet in here. But the Holy Spirit always counsels us to be honest. Because he is the spirit of truth. The only counsel the Holy Spirit can give to the believer is tell the truth. 
Oh yeah, tell the truth. And begin to unravel that sin entanglement that you've gotten involved in. The Holy Spirit tells us to be honest. He will gently convict us of sin. Not to accuse us, not to condemn us, not to make us feel bad, but to help us win our case. Now here's why when the believer admits I was wrong, Father, I need your forgiveness. I'm not going to justify anything. I'm not going to act like I didn't do it. I was wrong. And I ask you for forgiveness. And here's why it's safe for the believer to tell the truth. It's because the judge happens to be the one who loves you so much that he gave his life for you. That's your judge. Your judge is the same one who saved the woman caught in adultery from the rage of the hypocrites who were accusing her. That's your judge. We all need an advocate who will stand beside us and help us plead our case when we're guilty. When we're guilty. I love the Holy Spirit as my advocate. 1 John 2 and verses 1 through 2 in the NIV says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Just say with me, today, Father, I receive the Holy Spirit as my advocate. It will change your life, church. And number five, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. The counselor helps the individual believer and the church fulfill its mission in the earth. Counselor is here to help us personally and as a congregation fulfill our mission in the earth. He counsels us to walk in truth and peace. Church, we're always counseled. Walk in truth and walk in peace. If we find ourselves angry, we're arguing, we're mad, we're venting, <clears throat> we're saying angry, strife-filled words, we're criticizing others, or we're even lying. Church, for sure, we're not walking in harmony with the Holy Spirit, but we have a counselor who will help us get back in truth and peace. Number six is the strengthener. The Holy Spirit is our strengthener. Oh, I love this one. I believe in this one. I've exercised my faith for this one. Ephesians 3, 14 through 16 in the New King James Version says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, 
according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. The Holy Spirit is our strengthener. And church, that's every kind of strength. It's spiritual strength. It's emotional strength. It's mental strength. It's physical strength. It is any kind of strength that you need. And number seven, the Holy Spirit is our standby. I like this one. A standby. A standby is someone who can be relied upon. I know he's there. He's my standby. A standby is one who is ready to act on behalf of another. He's always ready to act on your behalf. He will come immediately to be used when needed. The Holy Spirit is standing by, ready to help when we ask. No matter how big your need is, the Holy Spirit is bigger. No matter how big your need is, the Holy Spirit is bigger. Second Timothy 4 and verse 17 but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Holy Spirit is always ready when we need him to respond at the point of our need. So how do I apply this to my life. What has been said, I want to give you two keys to apply this teaching on receiving the divine person of the Holy Spirit and having him fill your life and possess your life and strengthen your life and fulfill the plans and purposes of God for your life. How do we respond to this? Well, church, it's very important to pray regularly. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Fill me once again. And then you act on that. You sing, you pray, you read the word, you minister to the Lord. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you pray, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Number two, I want to say that you must seek to glorify God in all things in your life. If you seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, in every aspect of your life, I promise you, you are going to know the power of the Holy Spirit, and there are going to be powerful, there will be powerful fruit in your life if you seek to glorify Christ in your life. If you make your motive every day, today, Father, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today, Father, I yield 
my members to you to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in everything. I think, say, and do. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today that Jesus Christ may be glorified through me. So you ask, you commit to glorifying Christ in all things in your life. And then number three, church, this is very critical. Nothing else works without this one. But number three, make much of the word of God in your life. Make much of the word of God in your life. Most, even people in the church, many, let me say this, many people in the church live their lives as what is known as carnal Christians, not filled with the Spirit, not yielded to the Spirit, not led by the Spirit, but just living like the world lives, except they've asked Jesus to be their Savior, but they don't bear the fruit of repentance. That is called a carnal Christian. They live, their flesh is strong, and they live their life in being ruled by their flesh, by what they think, by what they feel, and by what they want. But, church, when you make much of the word, when you seek to glorify Christ in your life, when you yield your members to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you make your prayers and your supplications to God, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. You know what this day holds. I don't know what all is before me, but fill me with, this, with the Holy Spirit because you in me will be more than enough for this day. Church, can you say amen? Did you receive anything from the word today? Hallelujah. Well, Father, I lift up my hands and my heart over this congregation. And I make a prayer to you that is really a cry from my heart. That we will know the Holy Spirit as the divine person of God that he is. And that we will receive the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives individually and as a church. I pray that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, possessed by the Holy Spirit, empowered to live out the purposes of heaven, individually and corporately. Father, we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, into our mind, into our thoughts, into our will and our emotions, into all with which we have to do. We ask for the Holy Spirit to come to possess us and to help us fulfill the purposes for which we were created. 
Father, I bless everyone within the sound of my voice. May we receive blessed knowledge of the Holy Spirit, the blessed power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this prayer as a result of the Holy Spirit filling our hearts, filling our lives, being poured out in everything that we do. Father, may we come into a knowledge of your word that surpasses anything we've ever known or experienced before. Father, I'm asking for a great move, a great hunger for your word to come forth. And that we, Father, would be granted wisdom and knowledge from heaven. And that the mysteries of the kingdom of God would be revealed to us so that we might be an anointed instrument that you would use in this nation. That Kenya might be a sheep nation, not a goat nation. Father, I feel the time is short. I feel the time is short. And you want to do a quick work. May every heart be yielded. May every heart be open to the infilling a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, every believer says amen. Say, I receive it. I receive the Holy Spirit to possess me, to fill my life. No other gods before the Lord God. No other God's church. No other gods, no other loves, but we love the Holy Spirit. Would you say amen?